This episode of the Morning Skate is brought to you by Laga Sports. Laga Sports specializes in making 100% custom, fully sublimated uniforms and apparel for a variety of sports, but they're known for the premium quality and creativity of hockey jerseys. They have a one-price, any-design policy. It doesn't matter if you're looking for a simple NHL style or if you're wanting to create jerseys that look like Rebel Fighters from Star Wars. The price will always be the same, and the design of possibilities are endless. Check them out at lagasports.com. That is lagasports.com. L-A-G-A-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Own your look, own the game. You'll lose 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! All right, guys, welcome back to another very, very special episode of The Morning Skate. You have Ken and Hal here, and we have ourselves a special guest. This guy runs his own podcast called Fourth Line Voice. His name is Southpaw, or Darren, if you will. We're going to call him Darren because we're on that level that we can do it. So, Darren, thank you for joining us. How's everything going tonight, man? Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. It's What an honor. On the on the big show, I finally made it. It feels like I got called up to the show here. This is Dude, great. It, yeah. It, it's I, funny because like, how, ratings. Yeah. It's funny because Hal and I talk about doing interviews, and Hal gets a little nervous sometimes with interviews. And normally, like, I do them, and Hal's like, no. We gotta get we gotta get Southpaw on the show, right? Yeah, Eternal. Yeah, well, <laughs> Eternal. Say, it, it's funny. Uh, I can remember when you guys started. Wait, what was it, about three years ago? Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. a little now. Yeah, and at that time, oh, I don't know. I think I had a you know the big whopping eighteen hundred followers or something on Twitter, and I was kind of and I I was just kind of digging your guys' stuff early on, and it was like. Uh, Hey, you know, you guys, if you ever, uh, if you ever need anything, let me know, you know, and, uh, I can, I'll try to help you out, whatever. While now I look at only 30,000 followers. And, uh, like I said, you guys have, uh, I, I like what you guys do. And, uh, with, and I, I love the, I phoned you a couple of times, left the message there on the, on the phone gimmick. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, but you guys have always been uh, supportive of the, the probert tournaments and, uh, and everything. And I've always, I've always appreciated that. Hell yeah. I think one of the coolest things about like doing a podcast is, you get the opportunity to kind of reach out to people that you wouldn't have met in your life or like gone. The hockey community is pretty like tight and it's yep. cool. that Like we can have a podcast. You can have a podcast. We can talk. I disagree with something. You disagree with something. It is what it is at the end of the day. Like we love hockey. And I think that's like one of the coolest fucking things that we have going. Now the new age hockey is a little bit softer than what it used to be. I think we can all agree on that. And, and you bring it, you bring it old school. And I think that's what Hal and I respect the most out of you is the fact that, like, the hockey that you love is the hockey that him and I grew up playing, grew up watching, heard stories when we would go to the Glens Falls Civic Center about all these, like, different fights that used to break out and all this stuff. And, and like, hockey, for the most part, growing up at least, like, you liked – there wasn't as much skill. There was, a, there was a lot more toughness. When you watch, like, the playoffs in the early 90s and stuff, it was a goddamn war out there. And now it's it's nothing even like that. So that, I think that's kind of what drew us to you. It's like it still lives on, you know? Well, I, I, you know, well, I certainly try. I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, 
I mean, and I always said social media is a, is a young person's game, and uh, I'm certainly in the in, in terms of demographics, I'd be in the minority, I'm sure, at, at, in my 40s. But uh, you know, I, I said there's a there's a small small group of us on Twitter that uh, that uh, harken back to the old days and fondly remember the the Wendell Clarks and the Terry O'Reillys and the Bob Proberts and. Uh, and, and I think, and that, and that's fine. And like I said, and then the other, the other parts of Twitter. I mean, they have, uh, they have their new fans, and and the and this next generation of fan. And uh, and I think, unfortunately, sometimes um, the new generation of fan uh, sort of anything older than five years ago is apparently irrelevant now. And uh, we try to put it in the closet and that's hockey's dark time. And we don't like to talk about it and everything else. And, and it's like, I don't know, to me, it's just anytime you're trying to erase or forget history is, is foolish. And uh, so I've always, I've kind of just tried to uh, not sort of uh, spotlight it. You know, like I said, everybody can talk about the new stuff. I'll, I'll talk about there's got to be someone talking about Wendell Clark and Rick Tockett, so it may as well be me, right? And remember those guys, and uh, you know, and I, and I, and I, uh, like I said, it's it's not my uh, channel. Certainly isn't for any everybody, and uh, and I'm and I'm told daily that it's not. <laughs> and uh, but uh, no, it's been fun though. So, Darren, how did you get into hockey? Like, where are you from? How did you get into it? Favorite team growing up? Favorite player? Let's hear the whole background. Oh, we're hitting here. Uh, well, I grew up uh, in the wild, uh, flat plains of Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, uh, oh. and, uh, you know, flattered piss on a plate, as they say. You can watch your dog run away for two days. Um, <laughs> cold. And I grew up, actually, it was funny. I grew up with a, with a rink literally across the street in the, in the school uh, playground, which which is baffling why i'm such a shitty skater um you know but because we spent all our time out there but nah, i just uh you know like you said grew up playing as a kid and stuff but never to any great heights or anything um i was actually more of a oddly enough in saskatchewan i was actually a much more accomplished baseball player than i ever was at hockey uh you know which is kind of strange considering they, is that where southball comes from you know what? The, the, the whole funny thing is, and I, I don't know if I've told this story. My, I might have told it somewhere else. Actually, I didn't even name that. It was my friend that started this account, and he's actually – I'm not even left-handed. <laughs> but, uh, no, he started the account, and he was uh, – and we were going to do uh, the podcast and everything together, and then uh, he got uh, busy with work and uh, started his own company, and I, I sort of took over. And uh, and, and I, 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 had, I was never on social media before, so I didn't really – know anything about this or anything and i just sort of uh, picked it up and uh kind of uh, thought this is pretty cool to be able to like i said talk to guys like you and uh and other folks out there so i just kind of uh picked up the torch and kept going but no it was uh, kevin that actually started it all but no growing but growing up yeah no just uh you know as a kid just you know played and whatever and then uh you know always getting out pick up games with friends and stuff but uh no i never played at the junior level or anything like that so but so I, I sorry to interrupt you. I, I just wanted to ask another off topic. Sask, so you're from Saskatoon, is that right? Yes. So who, as a hometown person, who would you say? I'm just looking through the list right now. Once you said that, I figured I'd look it up. Who's the toughest player to ever come out of Saskatoon? Because there's some crazy names on this list. Oh, I mean, yeah. the, obviously the one that's more most relevant to us is Derek Bugard, but. I'm looking through like Mick Mick Vukovic Mick Vukovic yeah Mick Vukovic uh, Dave Brown I'd probably say Dave Brown yeah um, 
Actually, Dave Brown, actually a guy I work with, went to school with Dave Brown. Actually, Dave Brown was scouted as a pitcher, too. He was a very good uh, baseball player. Uh, could you imagine charging that mound? Yeah, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But uh, it was probably more so not just from Saskatoon, but it's probably who played for the Blades, the junior team here. The yeah. alumni is ridiculous in terms of toughness. I mean, first of all, you got Wendell Clark. He's coming to the big name. And then Tony Twist, Kelly Chase, Dave Brown, Joey Koser, uh, Wade Belak, Darcy Hortichuk, Chris McAllister. I mean, it just goes on and on, you know. Um, they've always had tough teams. And uh, so growing up, I mean, yeah, saw a lot of brawls at the old arena. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, – the, the Wild West back then, the WHL was crazy. But I mean, anytime in Saskatchewan, it's either there's two guys that will always come up. Wendell, well, for my age group, it's Wendell Clark. And mm-hmm. for people before that, it's Gordie Howe because he's from Saskatoon. So, and there, I mean, his statue's in front of the rink here. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's Gordie country. Okay. So, I actually, I actually have a Wendell Clark story, kind of. It's not really a story, it's pretty irrelevant. But there's a girl at my job right now who's about to have a kid and she doesn't know what she's going to name it. So she's handling the girl's names. I'm like, Hey, let me hop in here and see what I can do with guys names. She's like, well, I want an older name. So I've just been texting her names left and right. And she's like, I don't know about like that name, if it's going to fit. And I go, what about Wendell? And she goes, wouldn't, wouldn't a Wendell get picked on? So I go over to her desk and I go on YouTube and I, and I search that one clip. I think it's like a two minute clip of just Wendell Clark going around, just beating the fuck out of people and like hitting people. I'm like, this guy's a true leader. I think he, I think Wendell might be top three list on the name right now for the, for the little baby that's about to be born. So fingers crossed. Wendell Clark, absolute legend. Oh, I just tell her that's a name shame never has been associated with. I'll tell you that. No, anybody <laughs> listening, go to YouTube, type in Wendell Clark, hero of the day. It's a Metallica video to, with Wendell Clark highlights. After you will run through a wall after yeah. you watch that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know if this is rude to say, dude, but I don't trust anybody. Um, who's asking you for baby name advice, like to be a fitting parent? I think Wendell would be a, a great name, honestly. Wendell's, <laughs> Wendell's a strong name, dude. It's a leader. If I'm talking leaders in the NHL, like Mark Messier is like the first name that comes to me. I think the second name is probably Wendell Clark. That guy did absolutely anything and everything. Guy played on two shot knees. Yeah. Two shot knees. That's a character. That's a character name. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say, let's say that kid grows up. He's 18 years old. His name's Wendell. And and the girlfriend brings him home to meet the dad. The dad's going to shit his pants. Just a fact. The Leafs could use Wendell right now. Oh, could you imagine? So, so I, I laughed. It's funny now. I said if every, he's, so, he's so revered and everything on, on social media and everybody loves Wendell. If Wendell Clark was playing now, he would be the most hated guy on Twitter. People think People think Tom Wilson's mean. Tom Wilson looks like Sunday school compared to what Wendell Clark did. Yeah. And I dig Tom Wilson. I'm not knocking the kid, but yeah. Did you no. grow up a Leafs fan? You know, it's, it's funny. And I, I, it's, it's always a cop. I, people think it's a cop out answer, but it's true. Um, in every sport, I never had a favorite team. I always had favorite players. There was all, every team had guys I liked and every team had guys I didn't like. So I always just sort of cheered for teams. And I think probably when it comes to the NHL, seeing as we don't have an NHL team, I was sort of like a free agent, right? So I just sort of watched whoever. But I know when the, when the Leafs took Wendell first overall in the draft in 85, well, that, it sort of became like he was our guy, right? Because he was a Saskatoon Blade and Saskatchewan guy. And the thing was, is back then there was no center ice. We didn't have a satellite or anything. So the only hockey we ever saw was Hockey Night in Canada. Mm-hmm. 
And so Saturday night, the first game was always the Leafs. And then the second game was always the Oilers, right? So we grew up, you could watch every Saturday night, you'd watch Wendell on TV with the Leafs. That's pretty good TV. And then you got Gretzky coming on right afterwards. And that was the other thing. Yeah, we get to watch the 80s Oilers, right? The dynasty. And then you got to watch, you know, it seemed like they played Calgary. It's like the schedule is almost made up that they played Calgary every Saturday. So you would just have like, it'd be six, five, ten fights. And it was like the greatest thing ever every Saturday. Yeah. So how many, do you guys remember like back in the day, how many times did two teams play in a season? Was it eight if you were in the same division? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I think it was definitely more. I think they switched it down because I got pissed off because I'm pretty sure now in order to play more West Coast teams, because remember how you used to only play a West Coast team once a year and now they do a home and home. So I think it used to be eight teams uh, or eight games against the teams in your division. And to me, when you take something like that away, like I can't imagine you just said like the Battle of Alberta, like every single weekend. But like, can you imagine by like the seventh time you play that team, like in the regular season that year, you want to kill somebody. It's nuts, man. The Rangers don't play the Penguins until March now. And I, I do the – I'm an in-game host for an East Coast team up in Glens Falls. And they play the Worcester or Worcester Railers 14 times this year, seven home, seven away. And by the third game, I think two minutes in the game, there was a line draw. So, yeah, I think the more times you play a team, the more that hatred comes in. Yeah, well, and the other thing in the 80s, like how many more teams are there now? Mm. Like, I think, what is there, at least four or five, right? Uh, I'm just Adelaide, trying to think. Panther, Blue Jackets, Wild, Knights, Senators, Senator, Senator. Senators, Tampa Bay, San Jose, Las Vegas, Florida. I mean, that's five. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think back to the Sega Genesis days. Okay, hold on. Who was all the new team? <laughs> yeah. But so, I mean, you take six off right there. So, but, oh, yeah, back then when they had the Smite division and the, well, and the, I mean, Chicago and Minnesota and Toronto, I mean, they called it, it was the Norris division, but it was called the Chuck Norris division because there was always fights, you know. Oh, it was just, yeah, you had St. Louis and those teams, like just rivalries, like real rivalries, not just because Fox said so. No, oh, it's, yeah, that's insane. I We talked about that on the podcast numerous times, yeah. the whole Wednesday night rivalry night, and the Rangers are like playing the Coyotes, and it's like, mm, I don't know if that's accurate. Well, they always show the highlight package, but they got to show fights from 1996 and the highlight package. Yeah. You know, there hasn't been a fight in seven years between the two teams, but we're going to have a guy screaming rivalry night. And, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Green Day on the background soundtrack, and it's real legit. Yeah, d- different times, different times. Yeah. All right, so yeah. old time hockey guy. In terms of teams, I know you don't have a favorite team, but in terms of like team toughness, is there a team that sticks out to you more than other teams, or is like holy shit? Like, I mean, you had the Broad Street Bullies, which obviously could be, but like as a, if you had to pick a team that would kick any other team's ass, what team are you going with? Um, well, I, yeah, uh, well, I was yeah the Broad Street Bullies and stuff. I mean, that's a little before my time, but uh, um, well, I mean those, you know, as great as those. Probably not the toughest team. Well, I mean, anytime you have Detroit and you're sitting there with Coaster and Probert, yeah. I mean, you know, right then. But I mean, Edmonton, even when during the dynasty years, I mean, you still had Semenko, McSorley, and Kevin McClelland. And I mean, if you wanted to, if you wanted, they could play it any way you wanted to play it, you know. And, uh, and I mean, St. Louis, when you got Twist and Chase sitting there, and I mean, uh, I don't see. That was the thing back then. Every team had two and three guys. Like, you know, they had like a couple heavyweights and then a couple middleweights. And then, you know, you have your sandpaper defenseman that would, 
you know, if things went south, he'd get in there. And it's just, it was just a, a totally different um, era and mindset, really. That's what it is. It's a mindset, right? And it, uh, and just how things back then it was almost like everyone had to, everyone just had to be tough, really. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, as I'm sitting there, I'm talking about the '80s Oilers and Gretzky, who's the furthest thing from it. But it's like, at the same time, he never got touched. Yeah, you I know? mean, he still had those big bodies around him that people were like, uh, I'd probably not rather do and that. And well, because if you look at like championship teams from like back in the day, if you look at like when the Bruins won this, the Stanley Cup in the '70s, right? They had like they had like Ted Green, Terry O'Reilly, and then the Broad Street Bullies came around. They won a couple of cups. Yep. In the '80s, the Islanders had like Gillies, Potvin, like yep. they weren't. You couldn't push them around either. And then, I mean, even like you just said, the Oilers had like Semenko and those guys when they were winning cups too. So it like kind of shows for like, I don't know, like 25 years. It almost seemed like if you could like if you were tougher than the other team, like if you could beat the piss out of them, you were gonna win the cup. Yeah, well, it was just like, and even to this day, and the and like I said, people argue and they'll throw their analytics at you and everything else. At the end of the day, you need you need jam now you don't need dave the hammer schultz anymore you know uh, you don't but you need something like even last year in st louis you got maroon patty maroon now now, patty maroon's not tony twist but i mean at the same time he'll step up and and but even your skilled guys have to at least be able to take it and battle through it right yeah i mean that's the thing and i mean i see on twitter all the time and whatever and you know old crosby old crosby's such a bitch Hey, well, you can call him whatever you want, but he isn't. I mean, he'll get in there. He's dirty. I mean, I'm not saying he's tough or anything, but he'll take it and keep coming. He's not going to lie on the ice and roll around. I mean, he'll get in there and he'll stick you back. But you need, if if your skilled guys need to have grit, you got to have something. And it's like, if you don't, you're not going to win. You nailed it because you you look at Kucherov or like Panarin and like you look like these highly skilled players. They might be really highly skilled, but they don't really kind of get into those high traffic areas. Where Sidney Crosby, man, Sidney Crosby is battling for every single loose puck in the corner. Again, yeah. like he might not be the toughest guy in the world, but he's there. Yeah, well, that's all it takes, right? And you, Malkin, same thing. He'll mm-hmm. get into it and get dirty. And like I said, you know, yeah, they couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag. But that's not. The, it's not about dropping the gloves and winning fights. Right. And that's the thing. Even when you do fight, that's the thing. The win loss, that that's fan shit. The boys don't care. They just want to see you do it. Yeah. Like, it, it's about doing it and sticking up for yourself. That's the point of it. It's not, oh, you know, it's whoever has the better record on drop your gloves. Well, that doesn't matter. That's like, this isn't boxing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's about it's about what, and uh, like I was saying the other night, and, of course, I, I tweeted about it, and it went completely over the new generation's head when I was talking about the Leafs and Austin Matthews. At the end of the day, Matthews needs to, at some point, drop his gloves and grab somebody. And I'm not saying you got to go toe-to-toe or stick your chin out at center ice and go for it. But just grab the guy and show something. Yeah. You're, he, at the end of the dude, 6'4", 220. Come on, man. Just uh, grab him and seatbelt him. I said, the way the refs break up the fights, they look like... You know, it looks like teachers breaking up a great fight on the playground in grade threes. I mean, they'll be in there in six seconds and nothing will happen anyway. Yeah, but, but you yeah. know what? The guys on the bench are going to see the most talented player it's, on the ice, pop the fucking gloves, and it's like, okay, we can go to battle with this guy. That's why Jamie Benn's one of my favorite players in the league. He's a tough, tough son of a bitch, that guy. 
Exactly. And it's just like, you need that. You watch these leaf highlights and, and that's the thing. I'll be, I don't watch anymore. I don't watch hockey anymore. I just get just whatever. I mean, I see enough of it on Twitter on my timeline. I don't need to watch it anymore, but you just watch these just leaf after leaf, just getting abused. And then they, like last night, somebody showed the cross check and they lie there and his teammates skate by the guy and, oh, maybe they said something savage to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> right on. Oh, sweet shirt, bro. I mean, that, that's, that's all anybody talks about now. Oh, and then somebody, like the preseason there when, was it Saborn for Ottawa was running around smacking all the Leafs around. Oh, and Austin Matthews comes out, looks at his nameplate and gives it the, who are you? And everybody's, oh, that's captain material. Really? because <laughs> oh, yeah. he can chirp them oh, sweet yeah you showed him you know it's just like what do you like it's just a different culture now and it's just like and i'm not saying oh matthew's got to go out and fight everybody i always go back you know the movie goon yeah yeah you know the scene when doug glatt suspended so that your old drunk old captain lines up beside ross ray because ross ray's been running around and he and he goes yeah we're going and ray's like i'm gonna kick your ass and he's like yeah i know yeah. but he does it anyway that's exactly what the Leafs need right then and there and it's like and that's I know that scene went completely over the new generation's head of what that meant yeah yeah Ken, if, exactly. Ken if you got punched in the face and like at a bar and you got your ass kicked it got like caved in I would be just as pumped up as if <laughs> as if you pummeled the guy like and I know that's like kind of a stretch of what you're saying, but I do agree. Like when you like for me, when I look at the Leafs, like you have Kyle Dubas, who's supposed to be this boy genius general manager. He's got like his PhD in analytics, but like it does not take a rocket science scientist to like just figure out that that team just needs more grit. And I and I agree. And like I feel like we've been back and forth on it on this podcast before, but that's like what you were just talking about is the reason I don't think Austin Matthews uh, should ever be the captain of the Leafs. And the other thing I know, I know I'm going like completely off track, but the other thing too, with like the chirping and stuff, that's why the whole Kachuk versus Dowdy thing has been kind of pissing me off this time because it's like, it's sick, but it's not that sick. Like we're really grasping for straws like that. That's the biggest like rivalry in hockey right now. Like how often are they take like actually doing something? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And I guess, like I said, it's, um, I, I it's, I'm sounding like the the old guy here, bitter old guy here, and and and, and that's and I've also had to clarify. Yeah, exactly. I've had to clarify this a few times, and I've and I've never done it. Anybody can go back and watch it or listen to any podcast I've done or read any of my million tweets. I've never knocked the athlete. I'm not knocking the athletes because that's ridiculous. Who am I to knock any professional athlete? Um, I'm not saying I'm not knocking Austin Matthews or the talent or they're not good or anything like that. I always, I'm knocking the actions of the players, not the players. So I like to clarify that for everybody listening, because I'm sure you have a very young generation of people listening who, if they haven't tuned out by now, because they're sick of listening to this old guy, but um, I'm just clarifying what I meant or what I'm going to, in the, as we go on here, what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, no, it's just a different generation thing like i said back back in the day when we were you know yeah you you always mouthed off and you know you had your chirps back and forth but at some point you had to put up or shut up mm-hmm. like you can do all the talking you want but if you're not going to do anything about it and just run your mouth the whole time you lost all credibility so, and it was 
here's here's why I don't think that new generation understands it is one I again like I said I don't think that they played at like a level where they get there but two they just measure everything on statistics right it was like oh shot suppression clean zone entries and stuff you can't really measure emotion on the bench you have no idea what people are thinking you have no idea how jacked up somebody gets after something like that so if you tell somebody oh that fight really lit a fire in the bench you're like oh well prove it and it's like you can't really prove it unless you're there or you're that person. But I, I promise you the fact that like Austin Matthews just dropped his gloves and now his team is willing to go through a wall that that's a real thing. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I agree, dude. I just so you you were talking about like you are the fourth line voice, right? You said you sound old. I, I was gonna say no, you sound like the fourth line voice. So <laughs> this is Ken wrote this question down. This is pretty deep. Fourth line, what does it mean to you? It's a good question. It is. Um, yeah, well, it's 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 an it's an energy thing. And it's uh, it I think the fourth line, the fourth line is the heartbeat of your team. And it's, um, you know, and that and they're um, and unfortunately, I think as we go on and the game has changed. And I think a lot of times like everybody, oh, they're just goons and they were dummies and whatever. And those are the heart and soul guys. And it was like um, and I and the character of your team were those were the grit guys. And I mean, if you talk to any guy that played on any le- high level of, or in, in, a, in a level where there was fighting, if you talk to any of those guys, the tough guy was always the favorite guy on the team, always. And it was just what they brought. And it was like, uh, you know, and they're not the most skilled guy, but they're out there. They work, they have to work the hardest. They're always on the bubble. And, uh, you know, because, oh, because, well, you watch when anything, whenever there's a guy waived or cleared or sent to the minors, who is it? It's always the fourth line guy. Because that's the easiest fix, right? We can't get rid of Johnny Superstar, who's dogged it for five five weeks, but we'll, so we'll get rid of the fourth line guy because that's yeah. easy. That's easy to do, you know. So I don't know. The fourth line to me is just uh, it's an attitude, and uh, I don't so, know. That, that's so a deep co- question. Coincidentally, I have a tattoo on the back of my li- uh, the back of my leg that says four L squared, and it stands for fourth line for life. Paul Bissonette came out with a T-shirt like years ago. Yep. And I, let me tell you, Southpaw. You almost nailed it. I promise you I'm not tough. I like pretend that I am. I got a, a giant tattoo on my arm so people would stop fucking with me. But you're right. You're bubble guys. You work your bag off. You're in practice. You're always on the penalty kill. And there's nothing better than just shutting down the power play, telling all those pretty boys to go suck it. And, and you're blocking shots and you're out there for 30 seconds. You're on and off the ice. You're right. Energy that home, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So- I'm sorry. I was going to, I was going to ask. So like fourth line, if you're an NHL GM, like, what do you want your fourth line to be? Like, what's the construct of it? Like for me personally, like, like it doesn't have to be all goons. Like I'm thinking you need like one heavyweight, you need like a lightweight who, uh, well, I don't know, a lightweight who will like get his face punched in if he needs to, um, he'll show up for you. And then you need like a penalty killer who, who brings energy. Like, do you have, like, to you, like, a fourth line? Is it balanced like that? Are you looking for just, like, strictly body bangers? Like, what's your thought? Yeah, yeah, I I think so. What's that? I'm going to shoot one off. I'm going to shoot my fourth line off before you do. I think the first thing, don't get scored on. The second thing, you need at least two body checks every single time you're out there because we've been over this. I think the fourth line needs to provide energy, right? I think you need to chip in a goal every once in a while. And when things get tough, I want to put you on the ice. And I want to make sure that the other team knows what the fuck's going on. That would be my perfect fourth line. And penalty killers. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I don't know. I, I think. <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're here. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. Yeah. No, I think I. I don't know. I'm still of the old school mindset that I think you you definitely need toughness on the fourth line. You or you need at least a guy that's gonna step up and like I I kind of like kind of Vegas's thing. Like I really like having Reeves there. Um, oh. you know, I mean, Washington. Well, the perfect scenario obviously is Washington with Tom Wilson. You know, I mean, well, and that's the thing. Everybody can hate on Tom Wilson all they want, but I mean, that guy's. That guy's a unicorn, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, hits everybody, can fight anybody, and score 25 goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason the guy makes $5 million a year, and and there's, like, one of him. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, that's the perfect scenario. That's what everybody would like. And he's certainly not a fourth liner, but, I mean, uh, no, I like what Reeves does. And, I mean, uh, you know, he leads the league in hits and, uh, you know, probably the toughest guy in the league. And, I mean, Lucic at one time was like that. I mean, you know, unfortunately, the last couple of years, uh, I don't know what's happened there, but unfortunately, I'm, I'm a huge Lucic guy. I mean, I've been watching that guy since he was 16 in BC Junior League, um, you know. Uh, so do you, that's, do you believe? Do you believe people always talk about his spine and how it's curved, and that's what makes him such a great fighter? Do you, do you believe any of that? That's a thing. <laughs> well, that no, he does actually have a, uh, a physical deformity where his spine is like that. Yeah, I remember them talking about that. But does that make him a good fighter? Uh, no, I, I would say the, uh, the the 40 fights he had in the Western Hockey League before he got to the, the NHL has made him a good fighter. Um, you know, he was doing that when he was 17. He was the toughest guy in the Western Hockey League. So, I mean, um, Lucic was, like I said, I've been watching him since he was 16. And he was a, he's a bad dude, man. And when he was in Boston and stuff, I will say, uh, I know we're going completely off track here, but Perfect. the success he had in Boston was a surprise to my friends and I, because we, uh, well, <coughs> like I always kind of thought he would be like the fighting and the physical part. That wasn't the question. I, we knew he could do that, but we just thought he'd be like a 10 goal guy. Cause the most goals he ever scored in junior, I think was 30. It wasn't like, Oh, he was scoring 50 or anything. No, he scored 30 the one year. And I think he scored 38 or something or 36 in Boston one year, 30 something anyway. And then he scored 30 again, I think and 20 a few times. It was just like, to me, he's overachieved the whole time, you know, and then the last few, now the last couple of years have been like dreadful, but even before then, when he was scoring 15 and everybody was kind of getting on him for it, I was like, well, that's always kind of where we thought he would be all the time for his whole career anyway. But I don't know. The guy's had a hell of a career, you know, last two years have been a little rough. I'd like to see him score a couple goals. That'd be nice. But, but this whole comparison between him and uh, Neil is ridiculous because, I mean, even if they both were playing up to their average of what they, they're they're completely different players anyway. So I don't know what we're you're comparing apples and oranges anyway. So yeah, and and, and I agree with all that. I I am a huge Milan Lucic fan. I just I think too, and like you're looking at that trade, like James Neal when he was on the Flames was like crying about ice time and playing like shit. He got traded away and he's doing well, but like. Like, it's not like you, like, got nothing in return. Like, you had a negative asset, and in return you got Milan Lucic punching people in the face, clearing the crease. Well, you got a physical presence at the very least. I mean, unfortunately, it's a very expensive physical presence, but it's a physical presence that every team needs. It would Now, if you could get Lucic for $2 million, you'd be, you know, nobody would be having an issue with any of this. Unfortunately, Lucic has a really good agent, and, uh, you know, 
And it, I mean, and if he could do, if you actually looked at his career averages, if he did that, he'd be worth the money he's getting. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, little little snake bit around the net the last couple of years, that's for sure. Well, to say the least. Because when Lucic is playing peak Lucic play, I mean, that's fun to watch. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Every year you do a, bro, a Bob Probert Invitational. We kind of want to break that down. How did it get started? What's up with it? <laughs> well, it was all actually started by an accident. I was sitting there one night, just late one night, fooling around on Twitter, just talking to a few people. And uh, there was a uh, follower of mine named, T- I hate using that word followers, but follower of mine named Taylor. And we were direct messaging back and forth about something. And I had mentioned something about March Madness about the basketball tournament. And yeah. then he goes, oh, you, you should do one for fighters on Twitter. That'd be funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that'd be good. Yeah, you know, and just I'm half in the bag and not thinking anything of it. Well, the next morning I wake up and go look at my direct messages. Well, he sent me a list of like 64 guys. He's like, yeah, here, do this tournament. I'm like, oh, okay, he was serious. I wasn't, but all right. <laughs> and I just kind of looked at the thing and I'm like, all right, let's, hey, well, I could see you could do tournaments on Twitter and that might be kind of fun. So, I just wrote out 64 names of guys and did it and dude, it blew up the account. Like that's what blew up my account. I think after it was said and done, like there was times when that tournament was on, like my profile page would have over a hundred thousand impressions and stuff in 24 hours. Like it was ridiculous. And I ended up getting, I think the first time probably 1800 followers out of it after it was said and done, like it was ridiculous. And it was, um, and the reason it's called the Bob Probert Invitational is because I didn't put Probert in it because he'd win. <laughs> so it's like, what, everybody's like, that was the first, that's the question I get all the time. Where's Probert, dummy? Well, he'd win. So what's the point at, what's the fun of that tournament, you know? So I just like, you know what? I won't put him in it. I'll just name it after him. How about that? You know? And then the real, actually, and the really uh, cool thing is, is Danny, his widow, follows me on Twitter and she sent me a private message and was really pumped that I was doing it. Oh, no way. That's sick. Yeah. And his, and his daughters follow me and stuff and they've all said the same thing. So that was really cool. And it's like, I've always tried to kind of do it right around the same time that the Bob Probert uh, ride happens every summer when they do the the charity ride, the Bob Probert uh, motorcycle ride. I've tried to now the last couple of years, I've tried to do the tournament around that. So, and to try to, bring awareness to it and stuff like that. So it's kind of morphed into something a lot bigger than when before it was just two drunk idiots making laughing about something on Twitter. It's turned into a, you know, a, a real fun thing. And it's, uh, and it's, and it's really cool when like ex players get involved and they'll comment on stuff. And uh, like the first year I did it, Brian McGratton won the tournament. Well, and the thing is, is he follows the account too, which is really cool. Cause I'm a huge McGratton fan. But he'd retweet his fights. Well, of course, all his followers would vote for him. And whoever he was fighting, he'd blow out of the water. So, yeah, it was uh, – I said, well, I don't think we'll have him in the, for the second year. This is, uh, well, so I said, uh, defending champ, if you win it, you're you're out. So, uh, but, uh, no, and the, and they'll get involved. And, and then it's really cool when it's guys that are, like, involved in the fight. And they're commenting on it, right? And yeah. And the, the thing I felt bad about, and I've been fortunate enough on my Twitter account that I have a lot of ex-players that follow the account. While they'll be in these tournaments, well, the first year, every one of them got shit-canned in the first round. And I was just like, oh, this is awkward. You know? And, yeah. and I have Darren Kimball in there, and I love Darren Kimball, but unfortunately he drew Wendell Clark in the first round. I think he lost about 90 to 10. You know, and then, 
and, you know, Kibble's commenting, well, that was rough, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> you know, that's a little awkward. But no, they everyone's had a lot. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while you get a few clowns commenting and you'll just block them and move on. But uh, overall, the response has been really great. And um, like I said, and thank you guys. I know you guys have always really supported it and mentioned it on your show every year, and which was really cool. And uh, no, it's been a lot of fun. So and I think so any, who, who are the guys that have won? Well, this, uh, how many times have I done it? Oh, geez. Now I'm thinking. Three? I've done it three. McGratton won the first one. Yeah. Um. Hold on, I'm opening up a folder here. I got. I know uh, Samanka won last year. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, here we go. All tough guys. Oh, and that. I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's kind of hard to argue with uh, with any of this. Oh, well, yeah. Who won the Tony Twist? Won the second one. Okay. So I mean, you got McGratton, Tony Twist, and Dave Samanka. It's kind of hard to. Oh, that's brutal. You know, well, you know, it's, uh, I don't, well, I don't know if I'd have Samanko winning it, but I mean, nonetheless, it's hard to argue with, uh, McGratton and Twister. So who, but it's in- out of those three, who would you have winning? If like, if you did a head to head personally out of those three, which fighter would you take? Mm, twist probably. Okay. That's fair. That's Twister McGratton. Twister McGratton. The problem I have with McGratton, I don't, I don't have a problem with McGratton, but it's <laughs> like what I meant is, um, although he was sort of, yeah, there were still guys around when he was around. I was going to say though, he was, he, yeah, he was still sort of, he was in that last era where there was like kind of every team had a guy. Yeah. He was sort of right on the end of that. And then kind of into the new age where there really wasn't. So it would have been interesting to see him in like the nineties or the eighties. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah, uh, I always think about like how those players would compare from like generation to generation. And then like, I think too, with guys like McGrath and like, I'm sure, like, if he probably had a more exciting time, like, juniors and, like, mine and, like, the minors in the NHL, too, right? Like, I feel like at that point when he was, like, in the 90s, like, it was still probably, like, he was facing a couple tough guys in those leagues every night. Oh, yeah. Like, I know, well, he set the American League Hockey League, pen, or the American Hockey League penalty minute record. Um, that's what actually, always, that's what got him called up to the NHL with Ottawa. Uh, he had, like, 520 minutes or something. No, 551. Yeah. And uh, I think he had 30 fights or something, but it was like, yeah, he, uh, cause that's what put him on my radar. Cause he was an OHL guy. So I never saw him. Right. And uh, so you only, and this is like before YouTube. See, that's the other thing. Now these young kids, they could just type in any name they want on YouTube and oh, there's his fights. Well, we didn't have any of this. Right. So we had to trade fight tapes and uh, I'm getting really archaic on people now. VHS tapes. I remember trading in the mail for VHS tapes and buying them. You know where, you know where you, you know where I bought my first, Fight tape. This is gonna people listening. This will blow your mind considering what they are now. The hockey news. The hockey oh, news had right. classified ads in the back of the hockey news back in the day, and you could and there was guys selling fight tapes back there. Oh <laughs> shit! It was like Craig. You imagine, you imagine Ken Campbell, the senior editor of the hockey news, now finding that out. He'd have a stroke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah zero chance. Oh, that's that, crazy. That ignorant putz. Yeah, <laughs> I, I fought with that guy more times. Oh, ignorant. But that's. <laughs> You know, oh, guy's such a buffoon. But it's like, uh, but yeah, that was the first tape I ever bought. Forty dollars. I made my mom buy it for me for Christmas. The Bruise Brothers, Bob Probert, Joey Koser, two-hour compilation tape from the back of the hockey news from a guy in uh, Michigan. Yeah, that's insane. I never even knew anything like that existed. Yeah, yeah, they used to. Yeah, the classifieds in the back of the hockey news, and uh, and that was the only way you saw these people. 
like you know and and that's the thing i mean you t- you know i i talk to the the 20 year olds that i work with now and they just look at me you know like what world are you talking what world are you from cuz you know they've always known youtube and you know anything that they want to see they can put up and and unfortunately back in the day in the 70s and 80s there was guys with vcrs taping that stuff cuz if they didn't i could tell you if you went on youtube you wouldn't be seeing too much cuz they're they're the reasons you're seeing all this stuff cuz they they recorded it, you know, and uh, and that's why I've always tried to. I saved all my tapes and DVDs, and I got. I don't even want to count how many fight DVDs I have. It's ridiculous. But I think I, I think it was in your last podcast. You it was either the last one or the one before that. You mentioned how like forums on hockey sites are being shut down, so it's getting harder to like save like these videos and like the history is kind of in jeopardy. You want to get into that? Well, I I think yeah. I mean, unfortunately, hockey fights. Um, hockeyfights.com and i mean you know they're uh you know my sponsor i'm doing air quotes but uh you know can't get a retweet from them but they sponsor me but anyway they um no they um you know they're busy putting up cat videos when there's no fights instead of actually i'm like you know you could just go to my page i have 1900 videos on my youtube page you could maybe put some of those up people might want to see that you know, instead of a cat video, but okay, you're a hockey fight site, maybe show some hockey fights, but uh, no, they took away their message forms, and I mean, maybe, and I mean, to a lot of people, maybe that's not a big deal, but to older fans, it is, and uh, and there was, at, hey, at the end of the day, that's that's 25 years of knowledge that was on those message boards is now gone, yeah. and the thing is, is you're not going to find any of that anywhere, so for anybody that likes kind of that old school tough hockey, when I first got on the internet, there was a site called Fried Chicken Hockey Fight Site, and that was that because they were around before HockeyFights.com were, and they were massive. And I can remember when I first got on the internet in like 1998, and I found this Fried Chicken site, and I'm like, "There's other idiots besides me out here that like fighting." Like you didn't know this. This is like this is bizarre, and you're yeah. reading and guys are talking about this fight and that fight, and it was awesome. So it was like because again, you've never like they're talking about some tough guy in in the minor league somewhere in the East Coast League somewhere. Well, you don't know what this person looks like. You've never seen them. There's no video of them. So, you know, so that was your only way of conveying information. I mean, it sounds so archaic now because now you can see everything or find anything in 30 seconds. But but back then, that was, that was information. And you had old guys sharing stories from the 70s of Dave Schultz and O'Reilly and all these guys. And, and I think um, – and, and I, I said that on Twitter, yeah, with – with Don Cherry going away now. And, uh, you know, it seems like that connection to the past is, is getting erased and, and that's not good. Whether you like it or not, you should never erase history, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, you know, and I think for guys of my generation, I mean, I've talked to guys my age on Twitter all the time and, you know, they, they, they hate the new game. They don't watch anymore. And, and I, I don't say this to sound arrogant or anything. They'll tell me like, you're the only reason I'm on Twitter anymore. It's because of your old fight pictures and the videos you put up. Because that's that's my childhood. That's what they remember. So that's what you know. That's what I'm trying to do anyway. Try to preserve it. And then with the podcast, that's what I'm doing. That's why I try to get these players on and and tell their stories. And you know, and I, I mean, everybody can go on about spit and chiglets. I hey, I like spit and chiglets and biz. I talked to biz a bunch of times. You know, and it's like I like their show and everything and and stuff. But it's like I don't know. There, I I think. You know, because they get the name guys, and it's like, well, you look at my show, and it's a minor league guy. Well, I don't know him. Well, listen anyway. 
check it out because I can guarantee you every hockey guy's got stories. Yeah. All the boys got stories. And it's like, I, I would recommend anybody to take a listen. At the very least, if you want to check, I'm not going to call a few, but if you want to want some stories, go check out my Joey Tedarenko interview. He talks about Pavel playing with Pavel Bure and stuff in Florida and how, how Bill Holder thought he was Russian for the first four days of camp because of his last name. And then he spoke <laughs> English and then Bill Holder never talked to him again. You know, it's just stuff like that. And it was just they all have stories and from the minors and everything else. And I think and to me anyway, it's, I, I think it's important to share those stories. And uh, cause like I said, a lot of times, especially with the new, with the new mindset and everything, all those old CTE and all this, and that's our hockey's dark time. And let's not talk about it anymore. Nah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to let those guys, I'm giving them a platform to tell their story. That's my. Yeah. And they all have six stories. I've become pretty close with uh, Pierre-Luc Letourneau LeBlanc, who he played for the okay. River Rats, played for the Devils, and I played a beer league with him. And we went out to Lake Placid uh, for a tournament, and we're chilling in the bar, and like I'm talking to him. He's going to end up coming on the podcast, but he wasn't even a hockey player. He, he was a boxer, and a hockey scout went to one of his fights, grabbed him afterwards, and was like, hey, can you put skates on? He's like, yeah. And then, like, two days later, he was playing, like, major junior somewhere, beating the shit out of people. Like, that's a sick story that not many people know about. Oh, PL3. That guy's a bad dude, man. Dude, I, bad. I, I, Nicest I got, guy for me in your life. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I talked to him on Twitter a couple times. Yeah, he, uh, um, I, actually, I have some old, I have his old, some of his old Quebec fights when he was in junior, and. Yeah, and uh, I think Bay Como, I think. Yeah, he or Bathurst, one of the two. But yeah, he he, dummy dudes. Yeah, tough guy. Yeah, he did it a long time too. Played a long time in the minors. And uh, actually, speaking of him, that's funny. Actually, I think it was a couple, uh, maybe last week, I put up a clip of him fighting Brian McGratton in the American League. And for anybody listening, go check that out. They just pound each other. Yeah. So. I've seen your YouTube page before, and you have, like, some very obscure, like, fights. Like, yep. talking, like, every, like, like the Alberta Junior League. Like, I think there's, like, the – is the MJHL, is that the Manitoba League? Yep, yep. Like, and you have fights from, like, the 90s. So, are those, were those fights – two-part question. One, how – like, where are these fights coming from? What's your source? And, like, two, like, are you, like, ripping – is it, like, VHSs that you're getting these from? Like, how are you finding some of these unbelievable fights? Well, I have them all on DVD. Everything's from DVD, and or, or VHS tape at one time if they're really old, and then I transferred it to DVD. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I probably I'm looking here, one, two, three. Well, I have five spindles of fight DVDs, so that's 500 DVDs, I guess. Yeah, so from uh, from all different leagues, and uh, and I would always sort of been a minor league and junior guy. I mean, not so much the NHL, but the minor league stuff. Yeah, and um, junior, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, back in the day, it was either somebody somebody in that area knew the team and got the game tapes from them, because every, every game had to be taped, obviously, in case something happened, you had to submit it to the league and blah, 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 right? So every game was always recorded, plus the coach wanted it. Um, so at the end of the year, they would get all the game tapes and take out all the fights and make a fight tape. That's just old school. That's how they used to do it. And like I said, that's what was great about the hockey fight sites hockeyfights.com or this fried chicken because there would be a, a section in there called like tape trading and this guy would be like hey i got this manitoba junior stuff from dauphin and then okay and i'll trade you my saskatoon blade stuff because i knew the owner's kid so i would get the blades game tapes at the end of the year and now it doesn't matter because everything's on internet tv and you can just get it on the internet and no right. big deal but back then i mean you wanted to if you wanted to see pierre luc leblanc fights 
you better know somebody in Bathurst that's filming the games or something because we're not getting in Saskatoon. So, yeah, so all that stuff. And then what's really bizarre is, like, the Traverse City rookie camp. There was a couple guys that would go there every year with camcorders and sneak them in and film them in the crowd. And you had to you had to keep that on the down low because the security got a hold of you. They'd throw you out, right? So these yeah. guys would be up there filming, and they'd look at the rock because there's it was in two rinks, like a dual rinks. So there'd yeah. be like two games going on at once. So they'd look at the rosters. Okay, well, who's got the chance potential to fight? And they'd go to that game to record, right? Because you can only record one game. Which one is it going to be? And it sounds so funny, but man, they got Bugard stuff when he was just in Minnesota. And I mean, it's, and they've got, it's funny when you go back and look, cause this is all early two thousands. So yeah, they got, when Brian McGratton was a rookie with the Detroit Red Wings at rookie camp fighting a rookie Bugard. And he's, and he filmed it up in the corner with his camcorder kind of like, you know, you'll see heads in front of it every once in a while. It's like the old bootleg movies. You go on pirate Bay, you know, <laughs> guy filming in the crowd. Yeah. It was uh same thing, man. A lot of uh, a lot of guys would take camcorders into games and film stuff, and yeah, any means necessary back in the day. Like I said, it sounds so archaic now when you can just turn on your internet and buy the American Hockey League package and get every game while sitting in your big chair. But yeah, it was different back then. You, so fortunately, you had guys that were diehard fight fans digging up game, getting trying to make connections to get game tapes or anything. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, I knew guys that were in BC and uh that worked with teams and they would get tapes and the manitoba and that manitoba brawl that i put up was actually off um cable television local cable television access to cable so they and of course it was delayed so they played it the next day well that night they had the bench clearing or the brawl at the end so the cable company was so disgusted they put a disclaimer up and can't and it just comes up on the screen the scrolling disclaimer that they're totally disgusted with the actions of the Dolphin Kings and we will no longer be showing the game. And they cut it off. They didn't even show the brawl. No way. And my buddy who at the time was living in Dolphin lost his mind because everybody was talking about this brawl. So of course it's on cable the next day. All right, here we go. We're gonna watch this. And they cut it off. Ten years later. He found he he ended up working for like the Dauphin Cable Company and found the tape down in the basement somewhere of the game and took it and Stop. ended up record ended up recording it and that's how I got it and that's oh what I put God. on and that's what I put on YouTube the other day so the whole game and the whole brawl but yeah that's so, unreal man yeah so it's just weird how things uh us little our, our us fight nerds the lengths that we would go to to. Uh, to, to get that stuff but anybody listening so now when you go to youtube and you type in whoever and you see all these fights well that was because one of these fight nerds recorded that stuff way back when because that's how it got on there because somebody had to do it so that's, yes that's unreal so i i think we we like you so much because how passionate you are about fighting and like we grew up looking at youtube fights all the time but there's <laughs> no reason why we like you a lot and it's because you are a trading card wizard. Uh, <laughs> whenever the boys come home, we always go to this one shop. It's called the Vault in Saratoga, which it's probably a pawn shop now that I really think of it. But they have so many different hockey cards there. How did you get into collecting cards? Like with me, at least, my dad would always be like, "Oh yeah, I got you a pack of cards. Some of those are going to be worth money someday." Yeah. And then we would organize them, put them in the binder, and all that stuff. How did you get into it? Same thing, right? Yeah, the old man was a hockey guy, and uh, yeah, so he grew up. We'd buy the cards back then. It was quarter a pack or whatever and uh of course back then we didn't know they'd be worth any money right this is in the eight, early 80s yeah. so i can imagine how much money i put in my bike spokes over the years but uh 
Um, yeah, growing up, I kind of kind of did that, and unfortunately, unfortunately, my parent my parents like saved everything my brother and I ever had, so we got every toy and hockey card and everything still in the basement packed away. Um, so yeah, so I collected them when I was a kid, and then um, and then stopped, and I never really. And it was only until uh, the last few years, um, <laughs> my wife's a teacher, so we always she always has to go to the dollar store or Dollarama to get like art supplies because she teaches like grade one, right? So like Dollaramas are Graceland. So you're always buying, you know, you need a you need ten thousand popsicle sticks. Where are you going? Dollar store. So our dollar store started selling old like '90s or late '80s hockey cards, and I was just in there with her, and I'm just like, oh, that'd be funny. I'll buy these. <laughs> and um yeah and so i was it was a friday and i was drinking beers and and i'm like uh, so i start opening these cards and i'm taking pictures and putting it on twitter and hashtag drunk hockey carding right i put up pictures i'm going oh, i'm getting peter clean and look at the bucket and ha 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 and laughing and whatever and it just sort of took off from there and it's like yeah and it was just i've always and i just sort of collected again just sort of collected tough guys you know and, you know so it was yeah, I've I've ended up. Uh, I <laughs> pardon me, I'm fighting a cold here. But my one buddy, he uh, he goes like garage selling all the time, and like buys shit and then sells it on eBay. He's one of those guys, right? Whatever. But I always tell him, hey, if you ever come across cards, buy them. Why not, right? Well, he ended up buying like these ma- two massive paper boxes full of cards for like ten bucks. He got them off some guy. Well, and it was all just like nineties. Junk, it's not worth any, you know, the mass-produced junk stuff, but it was the old upper deck and pro set and score. Yeah. And, but I'm just like a pig and shit going through them, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah. pro McSorley, and I'm picking out all the tough guys, right? And I'm taking pictures and showing everybody. So, yeah, I just sort of collect the tough guys, and uh, I don't know. And it's unfortunately, my wife, we don't have any kids, so it's like I'm basically the uh, 12-year-old, 44-year-old kind of thing, you know? So. <laughs> You know, and I think as I've gotten older now and have like disposable income, I guess I just try to find things that sort of that take you back to your childhood. Yeah. Sound, and I think, and he just, I don't know, it's just, uh, I don't know, and, and it's just, so I just buy these trinkety, stupid things that I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm kind of scanning my back room here, and yeah, I'm looking at my Don Cherry bobblehead and my little Chris Jericho and Bret Hart wrestlers and my hockey cards and my fight DVDs. Yeah. It's basically a 10 year old's room, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's just, I just, I've always just got stuff like that and just collected it for whatever reason. It's probably, it's not worth anything to anybody, but yeah, I have fun doing it. So what the hell, right? I can tell the wife keeps me off the streets at night. So <laughs> if, all right. So I don't know. I don't know what your answer is going to be to this, but you get a card, it's like an 80s pack or a 90s pack. It's never been opened, and it's one of those packs that has a piece of gum in it. Are you are, are you curious about that piece of gum? Would you chew it? Because I've well, thought See, I've grown, I grew up in the age where that was fresh at the time, so I've eaten a lot of that gum back in the day. <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't good then, so I can imagine 25 years later. <laughs> I can tell you, get, enough, get a few Molson Canadians in me. I've I've done stupider things. I'll tell you that. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you do you have do you have a favorite card of all time? Um. You know what? It sounds funny because it was because it was such a big deal at the time, um, and it's not worth anything now. But at the time, it was um, probably. Do you remember the score? Eric Lindros's rookie card. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, the future stars. He was in the Oshawa Jet. It was a score 1991 or whatever. And that was the hot card. Everybody was talking about it. And, uh, yeah, I remember getting a few. I still have a few of them somewhere. But uh, <clears throat> not out of value or anything, but probably just because of the 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 stir that it caused. And because uh, that was probably, that was my, that was the first generational player I ever saw. Like everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah, for, like we loved Wendell and everything, but TSM wasn't doing profiles on Wendell Clark and he wasn't all over the hockey news when he was in junior at 17. Right. Yeah. Eric Lindros was the first person that we ever saw was that generational talent. Cause before him, it was probably yeah. Mario, Mario Lemieux. And that was like the early 80s. So that was still, I was still just a kid at that time. But Lindros, that was right. Because uh, ca- I can remember at the height of Lindros mania as a prospect is when the World Juniors were in Saskatoon. And that's when we saw him with Team Canada. And again, we had never seen this person. Other than a few of the things on TSN, there was no game. I would never, all of a sudden you see him in person. And it was like, oh my God, it just looked like a man amongst boys and running guys. And, and that Team Canada... That was just a badass team anyway, like Brad May and Scott Thornton were on that team, and they were just like hammering teams, and it was just awesome. And it was like, and Lindros would like, he, it was weird because he'd like kind of float around, and you're just kind of like, what's the big deal with this? But all of a sudden, he'd turn the Jets on and just go, and he's just running these guys over, just and just, and he'd score three goals and knocking dudes out, and yeah, he was unbelievable. He was, I've never to this day, I've never seen anything like him. He was unreal. Shame about the injuries, but he was the man. He was unbelievable. I thought for sure your answer was going to be Scott Mellenby. I love me some Scott Mellenby. You know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I love the Scott Thornton. The Scott Thornton reference, that's the first one on the podcast. That was a name when you said it. It fucking clicked. That is such a great name, Scott Thornton. He was, uh, what was he, like, he was Sharks and Wild? Oh, oh when he started, he, was, he started with Edmonton and then was in Toronto and – yeah, um, I think I'm thinking end of his career, maybe. I don't think he was oh, on yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, actually, everybody on YouTube, Scott Thornton, Gerald Diddick, go look it up. Great fight. <laughs> but he was a great, he was a great player in in junior, and uh, yeah, him and, and like Brad May, everybody's on Brad May. Dude had 90 points one year in junior, you know, and 300 minutes of penalties. Like he was, yeah. and that was a, and he was another guy. He was an OHL guy. We had never seen him. But when they put the roster in the start in the newspaper here, oh, this is the Team Canada that's coming. So they had all the profiles. And now we're looking through it, and of course we knew the Western League guys, but also we're looking at the OHL guys. And I just see Brad May, Niagara Falls, three hundred minutes of penalties. I said, well, that guy's my favorite player. <laughs> I don't even know who he is, but that guy's my favorite guy. And the cool thing is, is he only played like three games, and they they didn't play him much. But I ended up running into him in the concourse at the tournament. I'm like 14 at the time. We're taught. It was funny because he's 18. I'm 14. There isn't that much of an age difference, but there, you know, but at the time it seems like there is, you know what I mean? When you're 14 and talking to a junior guy, they seem like so grown up. Right. And like they're light years older than you. And it's like four years, but years late, fast forward to Twitter, Brad may starts following the Twitter account. So I sent him a private message and told him the story of talking to him in Saskatoon on the concourse. And we went back and forth, and we had a laugh about it. It was it was really cool. So to be able to, I'm not gonna lie. Hey, it was it was even that now at 44 years old, it was a little fanboy moment. I used to talk to Brad May and stuff. That was cool, you know, a, pri- a private message. And <clears throat> I was gonna say, I know we're going long here, but I was the okay. the cool thing that's been with the YouTube channel um, is to be able to share the fights with guys. 
And what's really cool, and this has happened a few times, and this has made it all sort of worthwhile. Um, it was, uh, I think it was in 1996. I had a, speaking of the BC Junior League, I put up some fight with the Vernon Vipers with some guy. Well, he follows the Twitter account, this guy. And now this guy sells, you know, he's, he's you know, put on 50 pounds. He's bald and sells used Toyotas in Vancouver, right? You know, many <laughs> yeah. years, decades removed from being the toughest guy in the BC Junior League. And he's got three kids now. And, of course, on the way to the rink in the minivan, he's telling the kids, oh, back in my day, I kicked ass. And they're rolling their eyes. Sure, Dad. Well, now all of a sudden, here's video proof that Dad really did kick ass. Oh, no that, and he told me, he goes, my kid has taken this to school and showing all his friends the link to the video. See, my dad really can kick your dad's ass. You know? <laughs> uh, and that, and because they're like, where did you, because no one has this stuff. No play. And he's just like, what is this? Where did you get this? And here's this dude that's 45 years old now. And I have a video of when he was 18 playing junior, junior A somewhere in some barn in Merritt, British Columbia in front of 32 people and their, and his mom. And, uh. And now here we are, 25 years later, and he gets to he gets to see it on on YouTube. But uh, so to be able to be able to help those guys and bring, oh, and then the one guy played on the one team. I had their whole fight tape. I had a, an entire Chilliwack Cheese fight DVD from that year. So I burned a copy and sent it to him. They had a like a golf outing. Him and like eight of the of the boys. Wow, they're sitting up at the cab and playing this DVD, drinking beers, and just. I mean, you may as well play Glory Days by Springsteen in the background, right, while you're watching it. He said, we went and golfed 18 and then put in your DVD and drank beers all night and told stories and watched fights. And, oh, I remember the time. That's when Scotty kicked that guy's, you know. Yeah. So when you can help players out like that, hey, come on. That, that made it all worthwhile right there. Yeah, and that's so true. That, like, I didn't get to play on a team, but a team that Hal and Feverboy Rex played on in high school, they have, like, their – it's kind of like a road to states like video and every uh year around alumni week we all get together and we watch it and it, it it is it's like it's iconic like you look back on it and like i'm 10 years removed from high school how's probably like eight i think and i can only imagine what it's going to be like 20 years from now and when we're all chilling out just just got done grilling some burgers and you pop that thing in it's like holy shit okay. those were the days oh yeah like i said everyone yeah now it's um you know oh these guys are yeah married with kids their wives probably had no idea that the guy even was an athlete maybe back in the day or whatever and, you know, or whatever. And, and like I said, to be able to share it with their kids and, and stuff like that. And it's, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's been the, you know, like the NHL guys, whatever, they can go on YouTube and see all their stuff. But when it's a, when it's a junior guy or a minor league guy that uh, there's no footage of them and all of a sudden you can find some, or just even a, or a pitcher or a hockey card or whatever, like, yeah, to be able to help guys out, that's been the, I was going to say, that's probably been the most fun I've had on social media and the whole Twitter experience and the the whole point of the, the whole point of the Twitter account and the podcast has been to, you know, like I said, to help those guys out and give them a platform. So anytime I can do that, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. So I think, I think we have one, one last thing we kind of want to do before we I got, we got, I have two questions about cards, right? We still have <coughs> Yeah, we can do cards. All right, I got two card questions for you to go back. One, like, is there one player that you have, like, a thousand cards of, and every time, like, you find him again, you're like, what the fuck? Why are you still here? Klima. Peter Klima. Every <laughs> time I go to Dollarama and drunk hockey card to open a bloody card, I get goddamn Klima. Yeah, him and Christian Rutu. Two worst buckets in the league. 
Right. I remember Buffalo Sabres grew to, he had the same helmet Kalima did. I actually tweeted at Brad May and said, how did you let this guy out of the locker room wearing that helmet? <laughs> how did Stuart Razor, like Rob Ray, not kick this guy's ass? I'd run this guy every practice for wearing that helmet. That's just atrocious. <laughs> but it's even, it, without fail, every pack. Yeah, Klima or Rutu. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, la- last card question for you. Uh, how, how, what's your sorting system, your organization? Are you a binder guy? I'm a binder guy. I think Ked's a binder guy. Are you just like boxes? Is it random? Sorted by teams? Like, what are we looking looking at? Well, any, anything I have that uh, – the only cards really that I have left now are – or like if older cards like that are worth anything, I guess, or, or yeah, they're all in like hard plastic, like the cases and stuff. And yeah, like awesome. I have a bunch of like Mario Lemieux rookie cards and stuff. And, um, you know, those are in like, you know, graded things or whatever, but, uh, and you know, some stuff like that. Um, other than that, no, like all my tough guys and stuff, uh, they're just in elastics thrown in this, in this <laughs> box over here. Yeah. I want, <coughs> pardon me. I want to sort them out at least and get them all like in order. But, uh, yeah, that'll, I'll, actually, I keep saying I'm, I'm going to do that, and uh, one of these days, when I get them all spread out, and, and I'll have to do it, start alphabetically and whatever, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you guys, because you'll actually see the ridiculous amount of meatball cards that I have. Yes, please, please. That's, uh, I, that's my card questions, Kevin. <laughs> and we just have one last thing that we're going to do before we let you get out of here. We have a list of names. We just want, you know, a quick little excerpt of what you think about this guy's brought to hockey or what they were as a fighter. So, uh, first name, Chris Simon. Ooh, lethal. Look like the Undertaker. That uh, <laughs> left big, left big, left-handed. Um, was probably could have been the champ. Um, problem was he ended up with shoulder problems, and uh, he ended up getting a bunch of surgeries, and that ended any, you know, really slowed him down. He didn't fight much after that, but oof, when he first came up, when he kind of right in that Colorado era, mm-hmm. oh, he was vicious. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was well, a good player too. Solid player. Yeah. Third goals yeah. that one year. And yeah, no, Simon was legit. That's a scary looking dude, man. Oh, yeah. 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 George LaRock. Yeah, probably the champ. Um, I don't remember him losing very many. And, um, you know, I know George gets a lot of gets a lot of grief online for his style and everything else, and uh, you know, and you know, wasn't I don't know if you, you know, he's not the most exciting fighter or anything, but he just drag you in tight and he's so strong and, and another left-handed guy, and just uh, yeah, he didn't. I you probably count on one hand how many fights he lost. So, you know, when you're talking all-time greatest, I think George, you know, top ten George George is in my top ten. I'll put it that way. Hal, you want the next name? You brought it up. Basil McCray. Uh, razzle dazzle, razzle bazzle. Yeah, he, um, it was funny growing up. I I never liked McCray. He always bugged the shit out of me for some reason. But as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate all those guys now. And uh, yeah, willing dude. I mean, you know, he was never. I don't. You know, he was never heavyweight champion or anything. But I mean, guy, hell, one year he had forty fights. One year, you know, well, like one hundred and fifty penalty minutes, three separate times. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like always there and, you know, would fight everybody. And, uh, yeah, he was definitely willing, that's for sure. Tiger Williams. Uh, well, there's a sauce boy right there, another Saskatchewan guy. Um, <laughs> little kind of before my time, like his kind of big era was in the 70s Leafs. And 
But uh, another guy that doesn't get a lot of credit, great player. I don't know how many 20, 30 goal seasons he had, but they were a bunch. So he's a solid player, power forward, would fight everybody. Of course, the all-time penalty minute leader, which is a that'll never get broken. Um, that that record. Um, I mean, you know, guys lead the league with 90 minutes now. Shit, that used to be a road trip for some guys, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but uh, Taggart wasn't the greatest fighter or anything, but he'd, he'd fight everybody. But if you go back and watch some of his fights, he wasn't uh, wasn't the greatest fighter, but he certainly uh, wouldn't back down. Uh, here's the name. It's brought up a lot. Marty McSorley. Oh. In terms of actual the term enforcer, I would probably say he's the greatest enforcer of all time. Because he would literally do anything it took to uh, to prove a point, and uh, and it would and it meant crossing the line. And this is and this is where the new age. Now I'm not talking the Brashear thing because that's that was that was goofy. But before that, um, if if you were gonna mess around, you were gonna pay the price. And he wasn't just gonna tell you and talk about it. It was gonna happen. And whether you liked it or not, it was going to happen. And it was, uh, and you, and he crossed the line a few times. But back then, when you crossed the line, oh, it was a ten-minute misconduct. Yeah. Well, see, now really now it's ten-game suspension. But back then, it was like, ah, you just missed the second period. You know, Wayne, so Wayne Gretzky wouldn't have had the career he had without him, right? Gretzky said that numerous times, and there was a reason when Gretzky went to L.A. that Marty went with him. Yeah. That was the only way that trade was happening. So it was like, and that was the thing. Marty turned himself into a really good player. I mean, he was just sort of a uh, a goon, I guess. I hate using that term, but whatever. When he first came up, that's what he was known for. But he turned himself into a good player and was on an all-star team and won a couple cups and solid defenseman. No, he was and tough dude. I mean, marathon fighter and you know, tough guy. And but when it came down to proving a point, there was a reason Gretzky never got touched, yeah. and it wasn't because he was elusive. <laughs> My my all-time favorite fighter, this guy showed up to the New York Rangers in overalls. Mark Messier goes, no, buddy, you can't do that. Took him out, bought him a couple suits. Darren Langdon. Love him. Love Langdon. Yeah. Technician. If you want to talk about the, if you want to talk about the art of fighting, that guy was Picasso. Yeah. I like that. Uh, watch, him, watch him fight. Not a big guy. Six feet tall, 200 pounds, but just will cross grip and... Uh, could throw from all every direction, and uh, I can't remember who said it. I remember some guy saying afterwards when he was done fighting Langdon, he said, "I thought he had three arms. He hit me so many times." You know, <laughs> not a big power puncher or anything, but you know, he would just tie you up, and yeah, he was unbelievable for his size and the success. The success he had, unbelievable. All right, now going to the welterweight division. PJ Stock, love him. Anybody that's a little bastard. Oh, I mean, unbelievable. Um, you believe he was like a 70-point D-man in the Quebec Junior League? No, I had no idea. Yep, yeah, in Victoriaville. Um, but and, and he had 400 minutes of penalties. Uh, <laughs> um, <coughs> no, like, there you go, undersized and just chin, granite chin and just uh, would fight anybody and stick it out and go for it. And, I mean, the dude's like, you know, 180 pounds and, what, 5'8"? And it's just like... You know, he's and his high and just highlight real fights, like just grabbing the middle of the jersey and just swing, and unbelievable. And he, every, you watch a PJ Stock fight tape and it's like just highlight reel for two hours. Yeah. 
he was i love B, i love bj stock he was great and i was really it was it was really too bad they got rid of him off of uh sport i thought he was really good on Sportsnet. actually i liked him or cbc or whatever the hell he was on whatever broadcast he was on i liked him he was cool next and from all accounts really nice guy so good to know i didn't know he put up that many points as a defenseman uh Peter Orell. Monster. Yeah. Exactly. Like, Tough as shit. Dude, what, was he like 6'6"? Six, six? Well, there's yeah. another combo we were talking about in Florida. Him and Paul Laws together. Lethal. And then you throw in, oh, and then you throw in Mellonby with him and stuff like that. Well, there I you go. Mellonby, dude. Well, yeah, well, yeah Mellonby did, fuck, what, he had 140 fights. I mean, you know, you want to mess around. That guy had no neck. It was literally just shoulders right to head. He would skate around like this. It was incredible to see. True leader. Yeah, did you, did you know the reason why Florida Panthers fans throw rats on the ice is because during a playoff series, Scott Mellonby killed a rat with his hockey stick, and he said, let's fucking go, boys. It was in the locker room. Yeah, and he shot it against the wall or something. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <coughs> well, now there you go. Have PETA fucking freaking out, and the Panthers would probably be suspended for the year. Oh, now? Oh, yeah. They, yeah. If he didn't write an apology and apologize for every <laughs> swear word he ever said in his life, he'd be banned. And Yeah. But no, Mel, well, there we go. Florida and their run there when they were throwing the rats and stuff. Oh, there, there was a reason they were in that final. It's because of guys like Scott Mellonby. Because oh, yeah. the dude was scoring 30 goals and would go into any corner and fight any guy, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, you win with players like that. That's why it was a power a power forward. Speaking of which, boys, the Gordie Howe Classic Power Forward Tournament. I'm starting here on the weekend. So uh-huh. everybody get out and vote. But, uh, I like that a lot. Absolutely. It'd be the third one. Yeah, you got to vote Mellonby, right? But yeah. uh, well, no, it was like really rare. Those guys, like I said, those guys are unicorns. Guys like that, like Wendell Clark and Talkett and Cam Neely, and I mean, they throw the term power forward now, and I just cringe when I hear it because, you know, somebody's telling me oh, Alexander Ovechkin's a power forward, and I'm like, oh, Mario Lemieux has more career fights than Ovechkin does. Stop calling him a power forward, you know. Yeah. He has one more fight than Wayne Gretzky. Stop, please. <laughs> Not a power forward. You're, they're, the 2019 version of power forward's a lot different than. The 1992 uh, uh, version of one, I'll tell you that. But okay. such as things. But uh, no, Peter, uh, Peter Worrell, yeah, that guy was a monster, man. Um, one, we got any more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We got eight more. I got all the time in the world, boys. Keep going. <laughs> your, your episode's going to go long. I hope you got bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch Fritz. Hurricane Mitch Fritz. Yeah, I watched, watched him. In, he's a prison guard now. Um, yes. He, he is, yeah. No, there gonna be no prison breaks on his watch. Um, yeah, I watched him in junior in Kelowna. He's a bad dude. Go to my YouTube page. I got a bunch of his junior fights up there. Um, monster. You talk about Kelowna, man. You go. You have Todd Fedorik and Scott Parker. Then after they leave, you get Mitch Fritz. You know, and it's just like it was just like Animal House there. Constant mass of guys every year. But yeah, Mitch Fritz. He was. I didn't play very long in the NHL, but. He was uh he was a big dude. Yeah. Didn't he like play for the Bruins and like what did he score two goals or did he score a goal and they were all like chanting his name no, or something like that? No, you're so you're thinking of Byron Bits, which is a oh crazy. Byron Bits, my bad. <laughs> Bits, Saskatoon boy. No, <laughs> that's right. He is Western Canadian. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a lo- that's a long ways from Mitch Fritz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite a ways. What uh, about uh what about Link Gates? Oh, Link Gates, the missing link. So uh, I, don't, I don't know much about him, but I know there's this one guy that we play hockey with, and he claims that he's played in every league pretty much imaginable except for the NHL. And he said that Link Gates is one of the toughest dudes he's ever seen in his life. Yes, correct. 
Well, Link, uh, no, like Link didn't play in the NHL, or this guy didn't play? No, in this it? guy, this guy that oh, was counting. Okay. Uh, well, the sad thing is with Link Gates is he should have been Bob Probert. That guy should have had a 15 year NHL career. Problem was he got into a car accident and ended up with uh, injury, uh, brain injury. Oh, I didn't that, know that. Yeah, so he had to learn to basically walk again and everything. So then you add that to chronic alcoholism and. Uh, everything else and that was the end of his nhl career but yeah he played in every league was banned from a bunch of leagues the story you want to hear a few link gate stories yeah let's see let's hear them okay well i'll give you a couple <clears throat> they used to say in the minor when he was playing with the kalamazoo wings both teams you know before every both teams were warming up <clears throat> he skated to the other team's end and took the net told their told their goalie you don't need this and he pushed it back to their end and their backup so their goalie both goalies were warming up with nets the other team didn't do anything no one touched them or nothing <laughs> Stop. they just so their goalie just sat there with no net and warmed up that way because no one wanted to go get the net from link so there was there was that story and then a, a friend of mine um they were playing in the mine in the lower minors <clears throat> and they were playing link was playing for new mexico at the time and uh they were playing them and they came in on a bus and it was like two in the morning, late night, you know, minor league bus ride. Right. So these boys, they all, they come into New Mexico, they hop off the bus. Oh, we're going to go eat. We're let's the only place open is Denny's. All right. So they roll into Denny's. Let's have a moons over my hammy right at 2 AM. They walk in all of a sudden there's this waitress sitting there crying and they're like, what's going on? And they look <clears throat> links in the back with a chef hat on making his own breakfast. Cause he was mad. They were taking too long. And he was drunk, and he so he got up, threw the cook out the back door, and started cooking his own shit. Yeah, <laughs> cops are coming, and oh yeah, there's Link making up, uh, making up the eggs, and drunk and throwing things around, and oh, all the, the stories of him are just uh, are endless, and uh, you know, and they're and it's you know they're funny to tell and everything else, but it was it was a sad story actually. The guy should have, like I said, he was, I mean, when he first came up with San Jose. And he's 22 years old in the Cow Palace, and he fights a prime Bob Probert, and they go toe-to-toe. And it's like right then, it was like, yeah, this guy could have been the heavyweight champion. And that was when he was 22. And like they said, like when people, the guys that played against him in junior, he could skate faster backwards, and some guys could forwards. That's how good the guy was. And he was six foot three and just a monster. But unfortunately, booze and everything out in the car accident and everything. But, oh, the stories of Link Gates... Now, that's a movie that should get made. And I could tell you, people would watch it, and they'd be like, oh, no, this is all fiction. No, all true. How about, uh, I don't know if he's a big fighter, but he was definitely a bit of a rat. Dale Puritan? <laughs> Huge fighter, yeah. The problem with Dale Puritan is he came along about 10 years too late. Yeah. If he played in the 80s, he would have been a hero. Because he, <laughs> all the stuff he did would have been like an extra two minutes. Yeah. You know. Now it's the worst thing anybody's ever seen, and they want to give him three to five years in jail for it. But, you know, back in the 80s, you'd get a contract extension doing that stuff. Yeah. How you about know, um, uh, <laughs> Eric Cairns? Oh, another monster. Yeah. It, it was funny. Guy. Yeah, it was funny when he first came up. The guy, he took some beatings, actually, and had like a, everybody kind of said he had a glass jaw. And he got dropped a bunch of times by like Baruby and Ray and all these guys. And then, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, it's well, I just got older, I guess, and it clicked for him, and he became the man. Like he he pounded dudes. Yeah, scary individual when he got rolling. 
when you can get a guy that's like six foot six and knows how to use that size and is mean, like that's what made Bugard so bad, right? Badass. Yeah. Like when you're that big and you know how to use it, and then you get pissy about things, it's gonna be a short night, boys. That's not. Yeah. Here, here's a name that's not really brought up that often, but he was with the Rangers for a bit. Sandy McCarthy. Yeah, another guy. When when he first came up with Calgary, he was. He's probably the champ. I mean, he took a round out of Probert a couple times, and yeah, he was a bad dude. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, I think, as as the years wore on, you know, the hands start getting beat up, and, and you just start, it just mentally takes its toll, physically and mentally on you, right? And uh, I think that's what happened to him. But, uh, you know, for a while there, Sandy was legit, yep. And then we got one more, Hal, take it. Yeah, this is one, like, I feel like everyone has, like, one mediocre fighter who's not actually that good, but you love them anyway. And I'm also a huge proponent of guys in the 90s who had, fr- early 2000s, had frosted tips, and he checked both those boxes. I think he's actually a West, a WHL guy, Jeremy Reach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, another Saskatchewan boy. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he was, like, a bit, I mean, he was never a big fighter, but, yeah, middleweight kind of, uh, you know, grindy, grinder guy. Yeah, yeah, old dub boy. Played in Swift Current. Got a few of his junior fights up on my YouTube page. Um, <laughs> yeah, I dig it, man. Oh, he follows the account. I, I'm down with JR. He's all right. Yeah. All Ooh, right. You have a, I know we just went through all the lists, and we've gone super long, but do you have, like, a fighter who wasn't really good and maybe, like, kind of an obscure name that, like, you has, holds a special place in your heart? Mm, that wasn't very good. It doesn't have- uh, could be good. Maybe he's just not that well known. Maybe he never like made it to the NHL or like he was kind of like a career minor leaguer. Anything, any guy that would kind of not like a top dog. <laughs> you just love to watch. Um, well, I mean minor league guys. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if list. They, well, they probably know. Like you have John Morasti or Jeremy Yablonski. No way! You just said that. That's Morasti. Yeah, I, I know. I know John. He should be coming on my podcast here in the next couple of weeks. Um, that he's that he's probably the most exciting fighter ever. Yeah. And I mean, yes. I would yeah. I would go out and I don't I I think somebody'd be hard pressed to argue with me on that. And I mean, I you know the dude was five eight, jacked up at you know two thirty or whatever, and just stick his chin out and go. And I mean, the guy fought everybody. And uh, I think what does he have? Almost four hundred career, five hundred career fights or something, playing in the Quebec League and. That's Unbelievable. When, yeah, when we had an AHL team in the town next door, like we have this one buddy who's on the podcast sometimes, Fever Boy Rex. Like he would let us know, like Morasti's in town. Like we got to go to the game tonight. Oh, like yeah. just appointment television. Oh, that 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 year in Syracuse when Syracuse went on like that twenty game winning streak, when it was Morasti, Tom Sestito, Derek Dorsett, Zenon Kanopka, oh, all, all on the same team, and Kanopka was the captain. And Kanopka would Kanopka would start fights at center ice during the warmups. He okay, you're fighting him, Marasti. You're fighting him, and he's telling the other team this. You're fighting, by the way, tonight, kid. You're fighting. And then oh yeah, and they'd be like lining up and stuff. And Marasti just cruising center, just staring at guys, right? And they're and there's and, and Kanopka's setting up fights, and like the other team's just like, what is going on, you know? And they did. They went on this twenty. Like they were you know, sucking high and tit. And all of a sudden they started this Kanopka's like, I'll get the boys going. And he started this stuff at center ice with Dorsett and all these guys. I'll, and uh, I'll send you a picture. I got a funny picture. I'll send you guys after we're done here. But, um, 
Yeah, and they would just it was yeah it was like you said it was appointment appointment hockey because it was just like and they went on a twenty game winning streak and had a nice run in the playoffs and they were just tearing it up and yeah they just scared teams but Morass they always shave his head in the mohawk and yeah just go out and and you just be it was time to go and uh, and another Rocky Thompson there was another guy um, loved Rocky he was he was fun Mel Engelstad. That's my fr- my boy Mel Engelstad. I got to throw him in. Type in Mel Engelstad on YouTube. There's another guy you won't be you won't be disappointed watching Mel. Yeah, they were just toe to toe and no wrestling and uh, oh yeah. I mean I could yeah I could sit here all night and throw names at you. Actually, if you got here for anybody listening, you want a really obscure name that people will be like who? Because he he only he only I I don't mean to sound like that, but he only played in the Western Hockey League. He never went and played pro or anything. But go to my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Go to it. Type in Matt Sommerfeld. S-O-M-M-E-R-F-E-L-D. Unbelievable. That guy took the guy <laughs> t- took rounds out of Morasti, Bugard, McIntyre, all of them. He fought all those guys. He's a bad dude. And uh, check him out. He, he's awesome. There, There's an obscure one for you. I, sh- I hope somewhere Matt Sommerfeld's riding in a combine. He just pops and I said his name. Yeah. <laughs> He works. He, I know he he lives on a farm just like two hours from here. I hope he's listening. Yeah, that's unreal, man. Well, hey, listen, Southpaw, we appreciate yes. you coming on, man. This this has been, it, we've been due to do this. We got to get a chance. Check him out for, at Fourth Line Voice. Is that your YouTube channel too? At uh, Fourth Line Voice. Yep. Yep. Check that out. Get ready for uh, the Bob Prober Invitational. The Gordy Howe Invitational, Power Forward Invitational. The Probert Invitational is in, the, in August in the summer, but the uh, Gordy Howe Classic is Bye. coming. Uh, but if I get everything going here, it should be either this weekend or Monday. I will start up, so everybody come out and vote. Yeah, 64 guys. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, vote and, and contribute. Get in there and, uh, and talk about it, and uh, you know, and we'll get a discussion going. Like I said, everybody runs around and talks about Jack Hughes and Eichel and everybody today. Well, hell. For a week or two, let's talk about Scott Mellenby. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. And if we're ever up north, man, we'll definitely hit you up. I'd love to get a beer with you and just talk hockey, man. I feel like it'd be an, like a 48-hour thing. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, we'd, we'd be cracking some Molsons and we'll tell tell the wife we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be, <laughs> be a good night. I can tell you that. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on, Hal. Do you have anything else? Thanks, man. That was a treat. Did not disappoint with the knowledge. I loved it. Well, hey, guys, no, thank you, and I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, it's un, uh, great to see what you guys are doing, and uh, like I said, I'm not going to lie and say I've listened to every episode, but I've listened to a bunch, and I um, I, and I appreciate the fact that, uh, that you guys aren't, um, uh, you're not ignorant to the athlete, and I appreciate that, because uh, you listen to some of these podcasts, and they go on about this guy's a piece of shit, and this guy can't skate, and he's a dumpster fire, and to me that's just so brutal i i don't know how's these no, coach, it's true it's how all coach jockeys coach jockeys who never played anything could sit there and <laughs> badmouth elite level athletes to me is just eye rolling yeah you know? the only one i'll do that to is mark Stahl, but i think that's it's worthy of that happening well we, we all have our personal demons you know but, <laughs> uh, you know but uh no and like i said i always say that with any podcast it's uh you know i always try to uh respect the athlete and uh you know, like I could, I always say, like, I understand when people say, oh, I like Jim better than Joe. Well, that's fine. But when you start saying Joe's a dumpster fire that can't skate and shouldn't be in hockey anymore, it's like, mm, 
don't really think you got the credibility to be making that call. So, yeah. you know, but uh, no, I appreciate that you guys, uh, you know, you guys uh, do a good job and uh, no, thanks for having me on guys. I, uh, I like I said, it, it was an honor to be on the big show. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, guys, we will see you guys next week.